All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. We'll continue our series on the home. What a great song that was, amen? Bless our home. You know, if, it, if it's not right at home, it's just not going to be right. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how much you shout in church because you're shouting on credit. I don't care what kind of hobbies you have. I don't care if all your teams won yesterday, and I think all of them did. Uh, everybody in this uh, one per okay. That's what you get for rooting for LSU. But anyway, um, you, know, it's, you know, that's not what we depend on. Happiness, is, happiness depends on happenings. But I want to tell you something, joy depends on Jesus. And I want to tell you this, if it's not right in the home, I don't care what you're having in your life, it's not going to be right anywhere else. And that's why I feel led to preach on uh, the home for a few minutes. I preach all over the country and retreats and been doing this for... Uh, uh, probably 15, 20 years, I guess. Maybe we're having treats. Our retreats uh, schedule for April 13th, 12th and 13th, Thursday and Friday in Pigeon Ford. Already got people signing up, and we only take 20 couples. So uh, you need to get in on that great blessing. Amen. I was going to give uh, the couple last night a gift certificate saying a free trip to uh, marriage retreat of Whitfield Baptist Church. I think they're a great, great uh, wedding gift. Amen. And y'all pay for it. That'd be a blessing. Amen. <laughs> so anyway, well, our faith promise total is 102,396. Amen. Thank the Lord. And there's some missionaries watching by way of internet that are rejoicing in the Lord that they're going to stay uh, supported. And then some new missionaries are getting excited about being partnered with our church. That's why I like to be independent, fundamental Baptist uh, by conviction. I like the missionary program. We get to know people. And thank God we get to enjoy uh, uh, being part of their ministry. Now next Sunday is Veterans Day. Uh, we're going to have the veterans lead us in the salute to the flag. And uh, if they don't stand up, we're going to shoot them. No, not really. <laughs> I tell you what, if you don't feel like saluting the flag, stay home and watch the NFL. That'd be fine with me. Uh, but uh, I want to tell you something. It's not the right platform. When the flag is waved, that's by the breath of many that took their last breath, and I think you ought to be at least patriotic enough to stand to your feet and salute the flag. That's a play political announcement for apple pie America, and praise God, be loyal. And if you don't like it, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to say that, but y'all do. Uh, let's pray for the Ron McIntyre family. Uh, Shirley used to be a member of our church, very faithful wife. Esther's uh, granddaddy uh, will be put to rest tomorrow. He's already at rest. Uh, the funeral will be tomorrow at 12 o'clock down in Calhoun, Ponder's Funeral Home. And then uh, Erica Taylor, little girl, used to come to our church. She grew up, and she was 25, and she had a brain hemorrhage uh, Thursday night, I believe it was, Brother Larry, akin to your family, and, um, and went to be with the Lord. And I'll be doing her funeral tomorrow at 12 o'clock. And so please pray for this family. Uh, Debbie is the host of, of the uh, one of my favorite restaurants, uh, Captain D's. Amen. I almost said Long John Silver. I never ate there in my life. That's for cowboys, Long John Silver. But anyway, um, and uh, she's, she's, a, she's, she's devastated. And you would be too if your 25-year-old daughter uh, suddenly went to be into eternity. And so you ought to count every day as a blessing from God and not waste it by fussing and fighting and manipulating in your home and neglecting your children and, and just... Uh, having that place as a motel with a caution light and a TV, we need to make it a home. Amen? And the Bible tells us 
One of the greatest definitions of the home in the Bible is found in our text. We'll read one verse. You stand. I know a lot of y'all's biological clocks already went off, and you're taking a nap right now. No, you're, you're hungry. But don't let your stomach rule your heart. Amen. I will not be long. I hope. Look at, <laughs> look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. The Holy Spirit leads. We're going to follow. It says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Thank God our wives are different than us men. Praise God. Giving honor. Here's the key to energizing your wife or your husband in 60 seconds. Give honor. Smile when she comes in the room. Unto the wife as the weaker vessel. That means she should be treasured and she should be precious and she should be nurtured and she should be cherished. As being heirs, here's the definition of marriage, heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. You know what that Bible verse says? If you're not right at home, you can't pray. Amen. It means if, you're not, if things are not right at home, you can't worship. If things are not right with others, and you have an offense against a brother, or a brother has an offense against you, the Bible says first go to that person and make it right before you try to offer your offerings at this altar. So I believe God puts a premium on the family. I believe He puts a premium on the home, and that's exactly what we ought to do. So you may be seated as I pray. Father, thank You for the great results of the faith promise this year. Thank You for our veterans. Lord, we'll honor them next Sunday and let them... Uh, next Sunday night, give testimonies of some of the things they, were, they went through for our country. And Lord, we honor them, and we honor our flag, and we honor our country. And God, we honor all those that gave their lives, that we might have this freedom this morning. But Lord, this morning we also want to honor our mates. And Lord, I want to honor my wife more. I want to show respect. Uh, and I pray that children will show respect to their their. their uh, mom and daddy, and their father and their mother. They'll realize the sacrifice they've made to get them to the place in their life. God, we just pray that you'd just uh, be pleased with the atmosphere of the fear of God mutually submitting one to another in our homes. God bless our homes. You want to. You thought of it. It's your idea about this marriage, having children. God, that's all your plan. And dear God, I pray that we wouldn't blow it, we wouldn't uh, live this life taken for granted, one of the greatest opportunities on this earth, and that's to be like you to our mate, and to be like you to our children. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do in and through this sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says, heirs together of the grace of life. And folks, the grace of life starts by you being saved. Two sinners can never meet each other's needs. The best you can do in the flesh is get your little way. In the flesh, you're selfish. I know y'all came all the way here to hear that. In the flesh, I'm selfish. I want it, and I want it now. And I want to tell you something, friend. That's the human nature. It's called the Adamic nature. We inherit it from our great-great-grandfather, Adam. And you know something, friend? When two people are trying to give out of emptiness it's futile it's empty and the best way to have a great marriage and have heirs be heirs together inherit what God wants you to have is in the grace of life 
the amazing grace of God. It's an anthem in our church. Uh, it's a great hymn. We sing it all the time. We'll sing it tonight after the Lord's Supper. And by the way, I don't think there's anything on this earth more important than worship. And I'll tell you, one of the greatest ways to worship is take the Lord's Supper. Two ordinances in the church. One of them's not foot washing. It's baptism and the Lord's Supper. And tonight you'll remember His death. You ought to make that a priority. But folks, I want to tell you something. Light has no dark. Uh, light and darkness has no fellowship. I want to tell you, young people, you not only date saved people if you're a dateable age, court them. You ought to date somebody more spiritual than yourself, because they might just end up being your husband or your wife. Amen. And you say, "Well, I'll change them once I get, once I get married." No, you won't. They'll change you nine out of ten times. Or you'll just go down the drain together, compromise. Folks, saving grace and then sustaining grace, trials ought to bring us together. Amen? We ought to bring us to our knees and we shouldn't let financial pressure, sometimes it's to debt do we part, but trials uh, should not be wasted. James 1.5, we ought to get wisdom from those trials and not waste them and become more like Jesus to each other. Then there's serving grace. I went over that last week. Had a great time preaching. I don't know if you had a good time listening, but I had a good time preaching on serving grace, giving grace. And this grace also found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is the grace of giving. It proves the sincerity of your love. You're never more like Jesus than when you give for or God. God. For God so loved the world that He what? He gave. He gave. And folks, the grace of God abounds and is sufficient and abounds to every good work. And there's a flow of grace between two people when they're, uh, when they're a vessel and not a, an aquarium, but they're a channel, and it's a sweet marriage. It's a confectionary term that last week I preached on being enriched, but this morning I want to preach on surrendering grace. I'm talking about forgiving grace. You know, a grudge, uh, you don't hold a grudge, a grudge holds you. Amen? And I want to tell you something, bitter people, Turned in, it's what? Depression. Turned out, it's just plum anger. Anger. People are angry because they're bitter. They've been shafted. They've been hurt by an ex, an O, a father, a mother, abused. And folks, I want to tell you something. It affects your present life. You let the past poison the present and the present ruin the future. And we worry about everything. Folks, we try to, we try, listen, grace extended and expressed is when you forgive, and you're never more like God than when you forgive, and you're never more like the devil when you lie and hold a grudge, because he's held a grudge ever since he got kicked out of heaven. Say amen right there. Folks, the standard of forgiveness is in the phrase in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the Bible says that we ought to forgive even as Christ, as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. You know why we're forgiven? Because God treated His Son as if He did it. That's how I'm forgiven. I'm not saved by works. I'm not saved by maintaining my work. I'm saved by the work of Calvary, the finished work of Calvary. And so folks, we see this morning, there's a standard of forgiveness. And if you're not careful, you will end up despising your mate. I want you to turn to 2, Corinthians chapter, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6. And I wanted to... Uh, uh, preach on the life of David. Uh, we're teaching on the life of David, but I want you to see this chapter that I've always been so interested in is the day that David and Micah began to despise each other. 
Now, biblically speaking, the word despise means you count, uh, you take them for granted. It's a dangerous thing to take your wife or husband for granted. It's like that seven-year cold that I uh, uh, shared last week. We just get less and less caring. We just take them for granted. Men have a capture mentality. Uh, the Bible says we ought to dwell with each other in knowledge. If you don't believe we're different, go shopping together. We want to capture the sweater, hang it, bag it, and take it home. Praise God. She wants to enjoy the experience. We're on a trip. We want to get there no matter what happens. Amen. We don't want to stop. We want to tell them to hold it. Praise God. We're going to get it. We're going to conquer the trip. She wants to enjoy the trip. We're different. I'm glad we're different. Folks, you ought to dwell with the wife and you ought to dwell with the husband in knowledge. God made you different. Aren't you glad? But we need to complement that difference. And it fits together. And uh, two become one spiritually. Folks, there's a difference in being married and being spiritually one. And we need to go after this spiritual oneness. And I want you to see the mistakes that David and Micah made in first or second Corinthians, Second Samuel, excuse me, chapter six. David was coming home with the ark of God. Look how it's described in verse two, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the seraphims. Now, folks, this ark of God was between the seraphims and the holies of holies. If a priest went in there with unconfessed sin, he'd drop dead right in the sight of that ark. That's why he had bells on the bottom of his robe, the little linen ephod that pictures the day that Jesus died and came to this earth, gave up the splendor and glory of heaven. He'd take off his high priestly robe. That's a picture of, of, of Jesus leaving heaven for you. And he'd go into the holies of holies and confess the people's sin. But if he had sin in his life and wasn't confessed, he'd drop dead in the presence of God. That happened in verse 7 also. And the Bible says that, And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out to the house of Abinadab that was in Giblia and Yusa and Ahio and son of the Abinadab drave the new cart. So they're pulling this new cart and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was the Gilead, accompanying the ark of God, and Ohio, uh, which uh, went before the ark. And listen to this in verse 5. Here's where trouble starts. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments. Say amen, orchestra. Orchestra. Made of firm wood and even of harps and of basadry and timbrance and on cornets and on cymbals. I don't know where in the world the church of Christ gets you can't have instruments in the house of God. But anyway, that's another story. And when they came to uh, Nathan's uh, threshing floor, now listen to how it's important that you worship right. It says, Yusa put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen shook it. He's just trying to balance it. But listen to this. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Yusa, and God smote him there for the era and there he died by the ark of God. Now folks, he wasn't ordained to touch the ark. God had called some people to deliver the ark. And here's a man that flippantly, but uh, had a good intentions, touched the ark of God. Now I want to say this, friend. We need to watch how we worship God. We need to worship Him with reverence and honor. This, ain't, this is not some uh, three-ring circus up here. This is not some rock and roll concert. 
This is not some kind of entertainment. This is not some Ted Mack amateur hour. This is a place of worship. The word sanctify or sanctuary means sanctified for worship. This is a sanctuary. It's not an auditorium, as I often call it. That means you're auditioning. We're not auditioning for anything. It's a place of worship. And I believe you ought to worship reverently. I believe you ought to worship not with the world's music. I believe you ought to have Christ-honoring music. But I don't think you ought to worship dead. I think there ought to be some enthusiasm, say amen. There ought to be some excitement. There ought to be some uh, loyalty. There ought to be some uh, um, thrill. And, and there ought to be an awesomeness about this opportunity. Folks, the Ark of the Covenant is here. I mean, the presence of God, that's what it represents. It represents what God did in all the past and what He's doing in the present and what He shall do in the future. And folks, we should not touch that with human means. We shouldn't come flippantly before the presence of God and just say it's just any old service and attend when I want to and take the Lord's Supper when I want to. Folks, we ought to have an awe about our worship. Amen? And so he touched the ark, dropped dead on the spot, but praise God, David, he was scared to death about it. When that happened, you would have been too. And it says, And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Usa, and he called the name of the place Perizusa this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. You would have been too. And he said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? He said, Am I next? If I touch it, am I going to die? And look at this. He said, So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him and to the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. I want to tell you the key to the Christian home, Christ. The key to the Christian home is His Word. The key to the Christian home is not more TV, not more entertainment, not more money, not more video games. God help us, man. You can, you can see a kid get paralyzed on one of those for about three hours, amen? They never move. Praise God, we're going to have um, a carpal tunnel instead of carpal tunnel, amen? Uh, you're going to ruin your, your little, I ain't going to preach against video games. But I want to say this, friend, that's not the answer for happiness. Folks, TV's not the answer. Your team winning's not the answer. Good meal every day is not the answer. Money's not the answer. But I'll tell you who the answer is, Jesus Christ and His presence. He'll bless your home. He'll bless your home with things that money cannot buy. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, we started a home improvement class several years back and it grew to be the largest class in this, uh, in this church. It says, through wisdom is a house built by understanding is it established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. What's precious riches? That's when people don't take each other for granted. When there's not fussing and fighting like I grew up in. I was a nervous wreck because I lived in a drunk's home and there was fussing and fighting and all kinds of stuff I won't go in detail about. It broke my heart. I became a nervous wreck. Thank God my daddy got saved when he was 63 when I was preaching uh, right before I left for Claxton, Georgia several years back. But I want to tell you something, friends. Sometimes I wish I'd just had a happy, peaceful, normal home. Because sin will ruin everything. Sin will just mess everything up. And folks, I see that the God blessed His presence. But I want to show you what happened between Micah and David. We'll get to the point here. 
We only got a few minutes. It's later than it's ever been before. It says, and it, and it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom. Look at verse 12. You with me? 2 Samuel 6. We're, hey, listen, do you have your Bibles? We preach the Bible around here. We're not palm readers. We're Bible readers. Bring your Bible to church. I'm going to tell the preachers tonight in the preacher's meeting, they ought to carry their Bible proudly. Amen. Don't hide it in a backpack. Don't hide it in your pocket. Don't hide it in your coat. Carry the Word of God because that's your main tool as a preacher. You ought to be proud and excited about the Word of God. Let me get on track here. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Now here he gets enthusiastic. And it was so that when they bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fat. And he said, wait a minute, I don't want to be the next one drops dead. Let's stop right here and have a sacrifice. Look at verse 14. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. Folks, you know what they were doing? They were having a great parade. That's the only kind of dancing that I approve of. Except square dancing. Hallelujah. No. I can't do that either. <laughs> hey, they were having a parade. He was dancing. He was enthusiastic. He was praising God. There's nothing wrong with that. But look, listen, it shouldn't be pumped up. It shouldn't be done on credit. If things not right at home, you're not going to shout in church except by credit. And David and all the house of the Lord brought up the ark. Listen to this now. Whew, wait a minute. I missed the most important part. And David was girded with a linen ephod. He took off his kingly robe and he put on a white robe like the priest does when he enters into the Ark of the Covenant. He just become a part of the country. Now listen, get, some, get, get enthusiastic enough to stay awake with me. In verse 16, 15, So David and all the house of Israel brought up the Ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the Ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Micah, Saul's daughter, that's significant. Looked through a window and saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And here's the key word I want you to give you. She despised him. In her heart. And they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings. He did it again. And peace offerings before the Lord. And listen to this, verse 18. As soon as David had made an end of the offering, burnt offerings and peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women as men. The women were invited to this celebration. A good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone into his house. He gave them all gifts. He says, take this home. We're celebrating. And David returned to bless his household. And Micah and the daughter, the daughter of Saul came out to meet David, and he said, How glorious was the king of Israel today? She begins to nag him, and I mean low rating, and said, How glorious was the king today who uncovered himself, listen now, today in the eyes of the handmaids of the servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. And David said to Micah, his wife, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all the, his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the, the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord and I will yet be more vile than thus and will be base in my own sight and in the maid, maid servants which thou hast spoken of. 
of them shall I be had, uh, be had in honor. And therefore Micah, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. I'm going to give you four mistakes this couple made that blew their happily ever after marriage. Number one, the first mistake they made, they were separated. Look at verse 15. The Bible says, So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Verse 19 says, As well as the women, as men. So David was, David, this is David's greatest moment. This, I believe, was a greater victory than the victory over Goliath. He's bringing home the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God. And folks, it wasn't a man thing because the Bible says in verse 19, the women were invited. And out of the entire nation, do you realize that there was only one person that we know for certain that was not there? Verse 16. Micah looked through the window. There's something about sharing spiritual things together as a couple. Let me, let me talk to you just a second. The most important thing in your husband's life ought to be spiritual. Amen? I mean, he ought to get more excited about the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation and His soon coming than anything of this world. Because all these things of the world are passing away. And I want to say this, dear, dear, dear wife. Wives. My wife thought I was preaching right at her. <laughs> you ought to get excited about what he's excited about. And he ought to be excited about the Lord. And I want to say this. If the devil can, draw, uh, can, uh, can drive a wedge in your relationship, he'll do it first and foremost spiritually and folks we need to get involved with each other and we need to get involved in the things of God together and folks I want to tell you something I love it when my wife is here and she's here all the time in sickness and health definitely in wealth or poverty she's here and I tell you what I appreciate her she's always been here we moved to this town in a cattle truck, didn't know a soul, moved in these little apartments over here off West Crawford Street, and it was a humble beginning. And when we started unloading the furniture, everything we had was scratched. I'll never forget, I had a bright gold, bright gold couch. It was that velour stuff. Hallelujah. I wouldn't be caught dead sitting on something like that now. I mean, I'm surprised it didn't have purple drapes around it, amen. But that was in then, and praise God, we came from Daisy, Georgia, and we didn't know no better. We was having a good time. We didn't have much fancy uh, furniture, but what we had was ours. It was paid for, and I scratched it all. State trooper pulled me over when I was cutting through the cemetery lot. Well, we didn't cut over the cemetery plot. It was just the road that goes through the cemetery. He said, you can't haul carpet through here. I said, sir, I ain't hauling carpet. I got everything I own in this in this uh, cattle truck here. I'm moving to Dalton to start a church. And I was smiling. He said, we don't need another church in Dalton. That was a great welcome to Dalton, Georgia. Praise God. We got enough churches in Dalton. I said, well, I want to tell you something, sir. You got to take that up with God because God sent me to this town. 
I thought I didn't. I, 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 I now know why he gave me two tickets. No, not really. You ought to respect the people in the blue. Praise God. I do. I do respect them, and I honor them. But folks, I want to tell you what happened. They just got separated. Hey, if you want a divorce, just get a separation. It always leads to that. I want to tell you the only way you can work out your marriage is time, time, time together. Amen. Separation ain't going to work it out. Well, we just got to separate before we kill each other. Well, you might as well just go ahead and sign the papers. It's over. You need to work together and love each other and forgive each other. Amen? Not duke it out. You know, friend, I want to tell you something. God help you if you, the only time you feel like you can make a point is by arguing or loudness or escalating. So first of all, there was separation. Then there was irritation. Look at verse 16. It says, And the ark of the Lord came into the city... A city, Micah, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw, saw King David's leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. This marriage didn't start that way. I believe he conquered over 200 men to win Micah, and Micah warned him about her daddy trying to kill him. So they were, they were, they were one one time, and they loved each other one time, but folks, I want to tell you something. She despised him in her heart. The word despise means I disrespect you. I count you as ordinary. And I want to say this, friend. Her reactions were showing. Actions can be planned, but reaction tells what's in your heart. That cannot be planned. And I want to say this, friend. If you're always reacting neg negatively towards your mate, your marriage is doomed. You need to realize, folks, that you might be irritated, but you need to bring that irritation to God. And you need to realize that your mate is a gift from God, and there ought to be something positive. You ought to get some scales up here. And so, you know, David was a good provider. David was brave. David loved her, and David loved God. But she didn't see any of that. She just saw that David was embarrassing her by dancing before the Lord. And she despised him. And then the third mistake was made was of accusation. Because in verse 20, then David returned. This is how not to fight, by the way. This is how to have a good fight. This is how to reconcile everything. And I want to tell you, how many of you ever had an argument with your wife or husband? Raise your hand. The rest of you come to the altar for just lying. Amen? You've never, uh, excuse me, there's one person that's been married two weeks. You probably, you probably haven't yet. Uh, I know some people got in an argument on their honeymoon. Yes, sir. I won't go into detail because it's confidential counseling, but they ain't got over it yet. <laughs> Good night. The third mistake was accusation. I want to show you where pride enters in. Look at verse 20. The Bible says, Then David returned to bless his household. He's going to come home and just give a blessing. Hey, the ark of, the, of God is here, honey, and God's blessing, and I brought the ark back, and the people are celebrating, and it's such a great occasion. I gave them all a free meal and sent them home and they're all rejoicing and he walks in and here she meets him at the door and Micah the daughter Saul came out to meet David she didn't wait till he got in the door just met him on the porch and said how glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaiden and the servants as one of the vain fellows shame, shamelessly uncovered himself now some biblical uh Commentaries say that he became he was just naked and had a just some you know shorts on and embarrassed her, but that's not the case. 
he took off the kingly robe. And he became a servant. And he humbled himself. And he danced before the Lord. He shouted before the Lord. He escorted before the Ark of the Covenant back. And he gave and he was, he was a blessing. Folks, pride enters a marriage. It'll destroy it. I'm going to tell you what pride is. It's saying, I'm not going to admit I'm wrong. Hardest thing for a man to choke up or speak out is, Honey, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Men go on a trip, they would rather die before they ask directions. Thank God for GPSs. Say amen right there. I'm preaching now. You don't have to go ask for directions. A wife will humble themselves and go and ask every gas station where the, where the place is. But boy, we men, we know all about it. And we're not wrong, bless God. I, and some people ignore the GPS. I know I'm right. I know. It just don't, that, that lady's wrong on the dash there, speaking British. She's wrong. Our reactions are showing. But the reason our actions are showing is because of pride. Pride keeps you from apologizing. Pride keeps you trying to win an argument and thus lose your mate. Oh, I'm going to win this one. And then you know something, you will win it, but you'll lose her. You'll close her spirit. You'll hurt her and wound her by winning your little argument. And that's nothing but unadulterated, filthy, selfish pride. I'm preaching now. Proverbs 13.10, would you turn there with me? You knew I was going there. 13.10, Proverbs 13.10. The book of wisdom. Boy, I looked at this clock and it said 1 o'clock, I about had a heart attack. <laughs> so if I've been preaching that long, hallelujah. The Bible says, only by pride cometh contention. But the well-advised is wisdom. It says, only by pride cometh contention. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. The Bible just says... Listen, until you admit you're wrong, and you might not be wrong, men, because you never are, but you, ought to, you at least ought to admit that you're wrong in your spirit. Amen? I mean, you started preaching to her and yelling at her. That ain't the way to solve a problem. Say amen. I'll be preaching on communication in a couple of weeks, and folks, some people get historical. They always bring up everything in the past, but some people just get preachy. You know, if I, I, I don't preach to my wife. If I do, she preaches back and we got some trouble, amen, because the congregation's a nervous wreck trying to figure out which one's going to win. Folks, listen, the Bible says that there was a mistake of separation. They're not spending time together. They're not sharing in spiritual things that are so important to David. She should have been marching and dancing with him. There's a biblical uh, uh, admonition that she should have been dancing with her husband and not the, to rock and roll crazy music, but I'm talking about with lustful thoughts, but I'm talking about before the Lord. I was in Jamaica one time, and a lady came wassailing down the aisle while my cousin was playing the guitar, and we were singing, I want to see Jesus something. I thought, my word, she's not even hitting the ground. And then she got up here next to us. That really made me nervous. And I was just 16 years old. I'd never experienced anything like that. But I don't think the lady was out of line. I believe that was, her, that was their kind of worship. Amen. I was nervous as a cat, but I don't think it was out of line. She thought she... He, she thought he's too good to humble himself. She, he's too good to praise the Lord. He's too good to become a servant. And I want to tell you something, their life began to be in shambles when she despised her husband. 
She said, I think you're out of line, even with God and with your people, and you've embarrassed me. Folks, pride comes before fall. If you care about what everybody thinks, like that good song that Brother Jason picked out for the choir, if you think that the most important thing is what people think, then you fear man. What is most important is what God thinks. That's the fear of God. And folks, by the Holy Spirit, we can have mutual submission in the fear of God in our homes. We can practice His presence. I'll never forget one time I knocked on the door and I heard some people yelling through the door, Get the junk out! It's a preacher! Get the stuff out of the floor! And I mean, they were hollering. Like, you know, I said, man, the door's, you know, it's thin. Hey, kids, go get dressed! Blah, 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 blah. And then they shoved it all in the hall and slammed the door. Come to the door and smile. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Can I come in? Oh, yeah, come on in. And all the stuff had been shoved to the hallway, and I wanted with all my heart to ask to go to the restroom, but I didn't. And all of a sudden, I changed the presence in that home. That is the fear of man. That's the fear of the preacher. Say amen. Folks, we need to practice His presence. It'll make a great difference in our life. And it's sustaining grace. It's expressing grace. It's, it's loving by grace. And it's forgiving by grace. Amen? And it's getting over it, buddy. Don't hold all... Love remembereth not iniquity. But what do we do? Strike one. Strike two. Strike three. You're out. Listen, friend, that's baseball. That's not a marriage. Say amen. And so we see the separation. We see the irritation. We see the accusation. But I want to hurry and say next to last, and I'll have you out of here by lunch tomorrow. Uh, look, look at verse 21. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 21. David said to Micah, it was before the Lord, honey. I added the honey. It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house. Oh, now he really gets mad. He gets mad. You know, it's one thing when one person's mad, but when two people get mad, it's on. Say amen. Come on. Y'all been there. Some of y'all some of y'all not even sitting close to each other. Y'all must fall all the way to church. But listen to this. Look at verse 21. It says, before all thy house to appoint me a ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord. Now folks, David begins to be historical. Before the exact moment, how many people have been involved in this argument? Micah and David. But oh no, David enters the whole family. He basically says, I'm better than your stinking failure of a daddy. That's a wrong thing to say. If you want to really get in a fight, men, if you want to really damage your relationship, just criticize her mother. Come on, say amen right there. Just even mention anything detrimental about her daddy. But old David, he just couldn't say, he said, I'm going to tell you something, your father, he tried to kill me, he is jealous. I mean, he brought the whole thing. Then he, then he brought the whole family and he says, and your family, your whole family. He said, listen, uh, uh, David was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and for, before all thy house. He said, another thing, I'm better than your worthless brothers and your cousins and your aunts and your uncles and your sisters and your grandpa. He brought them all in there. And folks, listen, what he was saying is, I, God threw your whole losing family to the curb and here I am, the king. What are you doing accusing me? You ought to realize, Micah, where you come from. 
I'm better than your worthless brothers. I'm better than your worthless cousins. I'm better than your whole family. Now, in wartime, I'm going to tell you what you do. When you're in a battle, you escalate things. If you're going to win the battle, you military men, the goal is to win. So you escalate. You break and destroy your enemy. Escalation is always designed to break and destroy. Now listen, I'm talking to you about how to reconcile arguments in your marriage. If they ever come up, and I know all of you wearing halos, it ain't going to come up, I'm, I'm sure. But me and my wife needs this and nobody else does. But listen, I'm going to tell you this, friend. You're not in a war. You're married. You're not waking up every morning with your enemy. You do not escalate. You do not break and destroy when you have an argument. What do you do? You de-escalate. Your words can settle things down. You lower your voice. You speak in kind terms. Now, honey, I'm right. You're wrong, and you know it. No, you don't, that's not what you say. You never insult. Well, your daddy and your brother. No, he, and you never bring others into it as David did. So very often the homes broke up and I asked the people, I said, what happened? Oh, it was just a little thing. No, it wasn't a little thing. Anything that broke you up was not a little thing. It was a little thing that was allowed to become a big thing. If the devil can get a foothold, he can take a mile. He can set up a kingdom. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 27 real quick. My time's up, but I'm enjoying preaching too much to end it right here. Some of you already packed up and left. Please come back. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. I'm going to give you a truth that will change your marriage. And the devil is a, is a divider and a conqueror. I want to tell you how he can destroy Whitfield Baptist Church one family at a time. I want to tell you how he can destroy your relationship. One hurtful, hateful word at a time. Not edifying, not, not, not encouraging, not forgiving, not gracious, not grateful, but I mean just hateful. Have you ever been that way? Don't raise your hand. Because your wife might raise your hand for you. But look at this. In Ephesians chapter 4. I'm getting there. Verse 27. Y'all know the verse, but I'm going to read it to you. I want you to see it. It says, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. The word place means jurisdiction. He sets up a kingdom. And folks, the Bible also says this in verse 26. And be angry and sin not. Get angry at sin, but not the sinner. Let not your son go down upon your wrath. What a great principle. You should never go to bed mad at each other. Because the next morning, the cereal's going to be a lot colder. You'll ask for something cooked hot, and she'll say, warm up your post-toasties. <laughs> You'll say, pass the sugar, and she won't be speaking. And you said, I thought we got this settled. Folks, listen, me and my wife have never went to, well, let me check that. Me and my wife have never went to sleep mad at each other. We went to bed, Matt, each other. It took us half the night to work it out. But praise God, you got to work it out. Why? Because the next morning, bitterness, like kudzu in your heart, begins to have coldness in your marriage. 
And then there's depression. And then there's anger. And then it mounts up and it mounts up and it mounts up and it mounts up. It's not a little thing. It's little things that led to a big thing. Folks, David began to despise his wife. Because the Bible says she never touched him. He didn't divorce her. He just put her on the level as a maid. As one of the many. There was no intimacy. I often wondered where was Micah when he was lusting after Bathsheba. She wasn't around. Because he despised her. Because the Bible says he became bitter. And therefore Micah, the daughter of Saul, had no child until this day. Let me give you the fifth and final blow to this marriage. In verse 22 it says in... In 2 Samuel chapter 6, And I will yet be more vile than thus, and I'll be based in my own sight. And the handmaidens thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore Micah, his daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. He says, I'll show you. I'll show you. Micah and David allowed separation to grow into accusation, and then an escalation, and then retaliation and David wouldn't touch her again and folks listen I want to tell you something I don't believe that's what Michael wanted I believe she really loved David I believe she loved being the wife of the king I believe she loved the palace she had it made in the shade but she blew up and she thought it'd blow over but David was done the sin of despising began to take root in his heart and he first escalated it then he retaliated David gave place to the devil. In his heart, he became angry and bitter, not forgiving. Let me close with this. i got one minute to close. I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and see what else happened. I want you to trace the word despise, please. And I'm not saying this will happen, but I'll tell you one thing. You should not let any sin come between you and your wife. You should not let any sin become between you and your children. There ought not be no bitterness and anger and malice. But I want you to look at 2 Samuel in chapter, chapter 11, just next door or so. It says that in the year when the time of the rain, uh, spring rains were ended, David was supposed to go lead his men, but there's that pride. Micah's nowhere around. She's probably on the first floor. She's probably in the service chamber. Men could do that back then. They wouldn't get away with it today. <laughs> But I want to say this. He sinned the sin of omission by staying where he shouldn't be staying. And he looked out the window and saw Bathsheba bathing on her, uh, on her uh, top of her house there. And she was beautiful probably. And David lusted after her. He sent after her. He had sex with her, which is always wrong out of marriage. It's called adultery. Say amen. Well, that was really weak. Say amen. And then he said, he got the news she would conceived a baby. He had a problem. She was the wife of the general, Uriah. And he brought Uriah back home and said, hey, go be with your wife. I, I'm going to give you a, a sabbatical. I'm going to give you a leave. Go be with your wife. He said, you not, no way. No. Hey, chief, I'm not going to be with my wife when my men are out there fighting a war. I'll sleep on your porch. He had a problem, so he got him drunk. He still wouldn't be with his wife. He said, I got a problem. So he sent his own death sentence in his own hands. said, give this to the Secretary of State, Secretary of War, 
Joab, and in the heat of the battle, pulled back. They did exactly that, and Uriah was killed. So the great king David, in his benevolence, took her as his wife. I'm sure the whole kingdom applauded. Boy, what a king. Wow. He took Uriah's wife in. She's pregnant, and she'll, he'll raise her child. And everybody thought it was great, but I want you to look at the last verse of 2 Samuel chapter 11. And David, when he, morning was passed, David sent and fetched her to the house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Let me close with this real quick. Nathan comes on the scene and says, There's a man that had all these lambs. But there's one man, Uriah, just had one little lamb, a ewe lamb, a pet lamb. The guy that had all the lambs, all the wives, took the one lamb. What would you do to the man? He said, I'd kill him and he'd restore fourfold. And, Dave, and Nathan reared back with that pointed finger that all Baptist preachers point at and said, Thou art the man! Woo, that's good preaching. But I want to tell you something else Nathan was. He was a good teacher. Because then he starts teaching him why he sinned. Look at verse 9, 2 Samuel chapter 12. If you've never turned in your Bible anywhere, anytime, I want you to look at this verse and circle this word. It says, therefore hast thou despised, he's talking about how he was blessed and he could have anything he wanted. He says in verse 9, he says, therefore hast thou, what's the next word class? Despised the commandments of the Lord to do evil in the sight that thou hast killed Uriah the Hutite and, uh, uh, with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Amnon. He said, the reason that you did this, David, is because you, got, you, you despised it. You despise the commandments. And then look at verse 10. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me. God speaking. Folks, if you take this word for granted, you're taking God for granted. You start despising this, counting it as ordinary. It's not a book. It's not just a book. It's the book. Say amen. And folks, listen. David despised his wife. His wife despised him. Go down the line. He started despising the commandments of God, committed adultery and murder. Folks, I want to tell you something. Revival begins in the home. And if you give the devil a foothold, you can do some terrible things that you never thought you'd do. And so the solution is this. Keep your relationship right with God. And then, keep your relationship right with your mate. Because if you don't, the devil will use that He'll bring in an affair, emotional, with the text, with the Facebook. It's where it always starts most of the time. I'll prove that in Scripture tonight, Proverbs 5. And then the Bible says we ought to keep the water fresh at home. You know where you ought to have the affair? In your own marriage. Don't despise each other. Let me just say this, and I know we're over time, but listen, I'm going to tell you something. I've counseled a whole lot of years and minutes and hours trying to help people that's already almost destroyed their marriage. So let me preach a little while with some preventive maintenance here. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and then love each other as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And that'll be the greatest preventiveness for tragedy in your life. I hate to use a football term because y'all know I'm a big football fan. But the 
best defense is a good offense. Keep it happy at home. Keep it thrilling at home. Hey, do the things you did before you got married. After you get married, you won't get unmarried. Don't take each other for granted. I'm not talking about just a date night. I'm talking about some respect. I'm talking about when you come in the room, you smile when she's in the room, not when she leaves it. Because your football team's playing. God help us. I'm talking about have some manners after you get married. Amen. Either two, two things are new after, when you open the door. Either the car's new or the wife's new when you, open, when you open the door of the car. Don't take her for granted. Don't get used to her. Because the biblical word is you begin to despise her in your heart. And then you despise his word. And then you despise God. Let's pray. Father, that was a sad story, but a true one. It was an aggressive story, but it shows how the devil works. And Lord, it's biblical, and it's real, and it's a warning. This couple could have had a happily ever after relationship if they had only humbled themselves, de-escalated the argument, did not retaliate, and did not get irritated or start despising each other. Lord, I thank you for Psalms 51, 17, though. The Bible says, A broken and contrite heart, speaking of David's confession and repentance, God will not despise. Thank you, dear God, that we can get open, honest, and broken before you. You don't count that as little. You don't count that as ordinary prayer. You honor it by forgiveness and mercy. Lord, help us to be heirs together of the grace of life by being gracious with each other.